Ah, fancy new open. Yeah, man. That's pretty nice. Isn't that nice? That is. That's special. Shout out to, uh, I think it's Haley, right? Who put that stuff together? I think so. I think it would have to be, right? Yeah. That takes a lot of work to make us look good. It looked good. Uh, she's, it's, it's work that I, I think is impossible for her to do in my, in my account, unfortunately. Uh, how you doing? You doing okay? So you're at your mom's place. Yeah. 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 Had to, had to come handle some issues. So on the move, you're always We're on, on the, the on the road again. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of borderline alongside birdie. I'm Jeff, a uh, little nighttime yeah. podcast action as we're recording this tonight. So, uh, I think maybe we need a little bourbon or something like that, but yeah, right. Get to, get to loosen things up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, shout out again to David Lim, oh, wow. our guest last week, co-star of the CBS hit drama series SWAT. Uh, he was awesome. It was great to have him on. He was, he was, he was, uh, you know, and the bad thing is we had to keep, you know, we had, we had kind of had to stop it. Right. I mean, we could have talked yeah. to David about that kind of stuff for like hours, but we had to, we had to kind of break it down into like 20 minutes. So hopefully one day we can kind of continue that conversation. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, he, he, he is so into cornhole. I mean, he already told us, Hey, what, you know, yep. he wants to come back for, for part two. So we'll sure take him up on that. Absolutely. Uh, today's guest coming up, you know, another really special guest and, uh, uh, it's Jay Rubin. Jay, obviously one of the top players in the world. And again, Bernie, you know, for those who maybe haven't haven't tuned in yet to the show, I mean, really got. I mean, what what a great way to start the show, right? I mean, David Lim is one of the reasons why we started the show, just because the the exposure to the sport has reached now celebrities and and athletes, um, major networks, as, as we all know. So, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to do the show was to get people like that on it. And the yeah. other, obviously, is to feature a lot of the ACL players and, and be able to tell their story. And uh, so Jay Rubin is going to join us today. And we thought he'd be a great way to start because Jay is, you know, not only is he a great player, as, as everyone knows, um, he has an incredibly powerful story. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and he will tell all the details. For, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jay, as a 15-year-old, was supposed to go on this weekend trip, I, I think to an amusement park is where his grandmother and great-grandmother and cousin were going. And uh, and again, he'll give us all the details. But so they, uh, he, he wasn't allowed to go that weekend because his mom grounded him. And Jay's the first one to admit, and I'm sure he'll talk about it. He talks about what, what, a, uh, what, what a troublemaker he was as a kid. So his mom grounds him. And uh, sure. be, before they leave town, his grandmother, you know, call, calls his mom and says, hey, can Jay please come with us? You know, just just, you know, let him out of jail, basically. Let, let him come with us. And, and his mom uh, put her foot down and said, no, he's not going. I've had enough. He's, he's staying home with me this weekend. So his uh, grandmother takes off in the car with with her mom and the, and the cousin. They go away for the weekend on their way back. Um, tragically they are killed in a car accident um, going head on into a uh, Mack trailer truck into a semi truck. And I mean, you know, you have defining moments in your life, Bernie, I've got yeah. them in mind. We all do. And uh, so to be able to have him personally tell that story and that that's, that's only, and I don't even know all the details because he and I haven't had a chance to really sit down and talk about everything, but that basically put into motion 
many series of events that we haven't even heard yet. So he's really looking forward tonight to coming on and, and telling that story, which again, going back to what we talked about here at the top, that's why we're doing this, right? Exactly. I mean, I, I think a lot of people, they see our players and our pros as who they are on the boards, right? And every now and then they might talk to them at a, at a, at a tournament and they're going to get kind of the surface of that person, right? They might hang out, have some drinks, whatever. I think, you know, you and I have discussed, this is kind of the point of our show or one of the points of our show, you know, is to kind of get underneath, see what, see what's below the surface for a lot of these folks. And usually like with most human beings, there's going to be a much bigger story there than all the rest of us know. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting his take on exactly how, how that went down in his eyes, you know, and how that's affected him and how he's kind of moved past that and forward with his life. So I'm, I'm interested in that, you know, to lighten the mood for a second though, yeah, I, th I think that you kind of want to maybe talk a little gambling. Is that, is yeah. that what I hear? Did, did, did you yeah. have a little a little rough one this weekend? Well, well yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I had I had, I, you know, I actually had a really good weekend. I, I went to I went six and one on what? my NFL picks. Wow. Um, so so I was happy about that. But and that's against the, one, the spread. Yes. Yeah. Now, normally, I, I normally pick maybe five games to, you know, to, to throw some money on. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I was just on a roll this weekend with the NFL games. But on Saturday, you know, it, it's funny because you, I, I feel like, and I'm new to this whole thing. And, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about, you know, is how this is going to relate to the ACL and the cornhole. Because I know that that's where the league is trying to get to. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of new to this, honestly, just just in the last year. Because, you know, really, as, as broadcasters, it, it, and it still is. Obviously, you cannot gamble on any of the games that you're doing. Well, right. I'm, actually, you know what? I don't know. Maybe you can. I don't. Um, I'm sure there's something. I'm sure ESPN and CBS somewhere in our freelance contracts, there's somewhere that, that they don't want you to be doing that. That's fine. I don't do it anyway. Right. Um, and and, and but, it, but it has come into the broadcast world now, obviously mainstream. So we all talk about it on the air. I remember there was there was times we didn't even like I was afraid to even say something. Like five, six years ago, I, I really wouldn't even talk much about the spread because it's kind of a no-no. As right. a broadcaster, you really didn't right. want to touch it. But anyway, so yeah, so I've gotten into it in the past year just to kind of figure out this whole world. But anyway, but uh, yeah, Trey Ryder knows this story because Trey is a huge Clemson fan and his Tigers, man, did they kill me. So this is like the worst beat of my life. So for those for those who are into gambling, uh, you'll find this funny. For those who aren't, just bear, bear with me for a second. So, so Clemson and Florida State, the over-under is 46. Mm -hmm. and, and I've got I've got Florida State because Florida State um, was was uh, well Clemson was a nine point favorite, and so while I thought Clemson would probably win the game, I didn't think they were going to win by ten or more. Right. So I took Florida State and I took the under because both teams have really struggled offensively. So sure. literally with like five seconds left in the game, it's twenty four to twenty Clemson. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm fine. I'm fine. Florida State is losing, but they're but they're losing by by less than nine. Um, and the over under was like 46 and a half. So I'm at 44. No big deal. All of a sudden, Florida State decides to get all tricky yeah. on this last play. <laughs> Gotta try to win. Yeah, they right? do they do some hook and ladder, and you know, some guys throwing it across the field, all kinds of bullshit going on. <laughs> and to make a long story short, uh, one of the Florida State guys coughs it up. Clemson gets a scoop and score, and Clemson wins 30 to 20. So not only did it bust my over-under of 46 and a half, but Clemson also covered because they won by 10. So that is a horrific beat, my friend. That is yeah. brutal. By the way, no, that's that, the that was bad. 
that's the kind of beat that kind of make, would, would make someone like me that's kind of conservative when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, I'm probably not gambling for a while if that happens to me. That is the thing. Maybe hold off for a little bit. Yeah, I did the opposite, and I jumped right back on the horse on, on Sunday, and then and then freaking <laughs> killed it, crushed it. Did you so really? Man, look I'm, at you. I'm hooked. But but real quick before we get to Jay, um, sure. so so uh, on a larger picture with the gambling, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you have what the latest is. Obviously, the ACL has a deal with DraftKings, but I mean that that's really where the sport's going, right? I mean, I mean, I think you, I think the league really wants to get into some of those lines and really you know, bring the game to a lot of people who like to, to, you know, put a little bit on the action. I think if everyone's honest, you know, if we're all adults and honest, it, it happens gambling, but what it does is it brings in the outside fan. I mean, obviously I think what the ACL has done, what we have done, what you have done is we've, we've, we've got control of that hardcore cornhole fan, right? I no. think for this sport to continue to grow, we have to then grasp, and hold on to the average sports fan. Now, where do you find those people? Yes, we find some on TV, right? But you're going to find an awful lot of those folks gambling on DraftKings and other platforms. So having DraftKings involved with the ACL is going to do nothing but help grow the sport, grow, you know, make it so much easier for the players to expand their brands, because the more people that see it, the more people that get involved, it's better for the sport. Yeah. Now, the, the only, you know, if there is one bad thing so far is we're only, you know, legal in three states with DraftKings. So we have to go through that whole process and each state is different and it's a whole different process for each state. So I know some people are kind of looking, trying to find it and they can't. It's because it's just not available in your state yet, but we are getting Got there. It. And it just it's going to take a little time, unfortunately. And quite frankly, they have to be able to trust us as a sport. We all know a number of things have happened. They're aware of those things. And if they can't trust the sport, it's going to make it that much harder to get going down the road. So that's why the professionals have to kind of be professional. And I know there is some backlash saying, well, if it's that important, you know, you should have, you know, people keeping scores. Like, look, they do it in golf. They do it in other sports. It can be done. Just be professional, you know, yeah. put, put, put things in properly. You're adults. You can handle it. But it's only going to help the sport going forward. And I think if people can kind of look at things in the distance instead of right what's right in front of their face, they'll see that. Well, that is, you know what, that's a great segue. And uh, I just saw that Jay hopped on. So let, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Jay yes, Rubin. Sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Jay, what's up, man? Gentlemen, how are you guys doing? There he is. What's happening? Not too much. How are well, you? I, I don't know how much you could hear us talking about, about this when you were in our green room. Um, <laughs> but, but, we were talking about gambling and how it's, you know, how hopefully the ACL is going to be able to grow that, um, you know, that, that part of the sport as Bernie was saying to get, to get a lot more fans into the sport. Um, but with that and, and, and Jay, I know this is, is kind of a big push of yours comes another whole level of accountability, right? With the players. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's, it's ownership and stepping up and, you know, doing the right things because, you know, as this game's going to involve, yeah, we got the, you know, the casual Cornwall players uh, and fans that play in their local tournaments. We got them on board, but now we need the people outside the Cornwall community to start jumping on board and betting on these things, which is just going to benefit everybody else further down the road. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, to go back to the accountability of the players and like Bernie was saying, and I know, I know Jay, this is a big emphasis of yours is the pros got to act like pros. And like Bernie said, when, when Vegas is watching, I mean, that's a, it's a whole different level. 
Oh, yeah, completely. I agree with you. All right. Before we get into your story, we were kind of talking about a little bit before we came on. Uh, you've been practicing your ass off. Like every time I'm on Facebook, I see something of yours pop up. Yeah. And uh, and the other day you were practicing outside. It's windy. I know you live uh, in the Chicago area, but uh, I mean, what what are are you trying? Well, I mean, I know you're all trying to to take your games to another level, but it seems like like you are really coming into the season with a different level of focus, maybe. Yeah, typically, you know, I have a hard push, you know, when the season starts and then playing through the summer and then part of the fall traveling. Um, and typically I like to take November off and even part of December and just pop into a regional or a conference. So this year uh, I'm trying to put a bigger emphasis on, you know, playing all the way through. Uh, maybe not having to practice every single day, but practicing, you know, maybe three days a week or four days a week when time allows. You know, as long as the weather's nice, I can bring the boards out, um, you know, get some reps in. So, you know, maybe I'm fresher going into the first national because every year I've noticed my first national, you know, I finished eighth, ninth in brackets, somewhere around there. But then as the season progresses, I get better. Um, so I'm trying to go into it and, you know, try to, you know, get a win under my belt is, you know, the goal in doubles and singles, uh, and then kind of ride that momentum through the course of the season. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a, I, it's funny because, you know, like Jeff said, I mean, everyone kind of gets to see you play. I mean, you're, you're out, you know, you're, you're posting on social media, you're showing your practice in your opinion. How many of the top pros are putting in the work like that? Is it everybody or is it a select few? No, I think the upper echelon guys are out there and they are putting in the work. Um, you know, I would say there's probably 20 to 30 of them. You know, some of them might not have children or families or full-time careers yet, you know, where they got more flexibility to do those things. Right. Uh, but the guys that are hungry and that want it bad enough, you know, they're out there and they're doing it because the game – is slowly going to start to pass certain players by. You know, everybody's just getting so much better now. The bags are a little bit more hole-friendly than they've ever been. Um, right. So in order to be sharp, you really got to be out there and put in some level of effort. Otherwise, you're, you're probably not going to get the results you're looking for. Do you like uh, do you like playing outside? Or you like? I'm assuming everyone likes playing inside better. But, but it seems like, I mean, you're outside all the time. Do you ever practice inside? I, I do practice inside. Um, Primarily, I like to be outdoors because, you know, it's going to help me when I get to playing inside, right? Because I'm working through the elements and the conditions and, you know, the different distractions that may be going on, cars going by, people talking, whatever it may be. And that keeps my level of focus still kind of sharp, believe it or not. So then when I get indoors, it's like nothing changes. You know, all you're doing is bags hitting the boards and, you know, some people talking, but that's about it. I didn't think about that. I mean, when you get yeah. those people heckling you, and Bernie, I'm sure you've seen this too. When you get those guys heckling you, driving by, I mean, you're, you're, right, you're probably right. It probably forces you to focus a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, because... well, and, and, and to that point, sorry to interrupt, guys, but to that point, Jeff, speaking of people that, that uh, may interrupt, you, Trey's voice, are very noticeable when the guys make the broadcast. They, they can hear you talking while they're playing. So if you can do what Jay's doing and kind of – Get that practice in where you're kind of used to that outside noise and finding ways to block that out. That's got to be advantageous. No, and to that point, there was uh, it was in Galveston, Texas, uh, two years ago when we had one of the pro qualifiers that got you into the shootout Fourth uh, of July weekend. And I ended up having to play Lester after we won doubles our first right. match. And I, start, I ended up finishing the game like hitting 36 out of 40, but at one point, 
I hit two airmails in a row and I maybe missed two bags up until that point. And I'm going for my last airmail and I hear Trey say, I'm not going to describe what I'm seeing from Jay Rubin. Jay Rubin, I hit this corner of the hole and it just ricocheted off the side of the board. So you do, you do hear that though. Yeah, that's that's been we've we've talked about it several times in the show here already. But that that's been that's been an adjustment for you and for us, uh, Jay, because you know, as a broadcaster, you normally don't have the athletes listening to what you're saying. Right. If I'm calling a baseball game or a football game, I'm way up in the in the you know up in the press box, so they obviously can't hear. Even in basketball, even though we're down on the court, there's so much ambient noise going on inside a basketball arena with the with the fans and everything, and the and the pep band, they can't hear us. So for the first time ever, yeah, I mean, I'm having a broadcast where I know you guys can hear what we're saying, mm-hmm. and like I I try my hardest to like to like summon my inner Jim Nance, you know, and and I try really to I re- try really to to be quiet. Trey, Trey just just flat out just owns the room, and yeah. I don't know how you guys do that. Um, you know, so, some of the players, I mean, it, it, some of the players I know kind of like it because they'll sit there listen to what Trey has to say first before they take their shot. No, that's exactly it. It's either you you can drown out the noise and not pay attention to it and just keep that level of focus, or if you find it is distracting you and you're not wearing headphones or earbuds. You kind of almost want to flip that bag a couple extra times so he can get what he has to say out of his mouth. Then you can go. Honestly, I I mean, I've done it myself. Whether I made it, that's irrelevant, but I've done it. That is good stuff. That's hysterical. And you know, know, the thing is, I can honestly say, like, when you put those headphones on, the broadcast headphones, you don't realize how loud you're talking. Yeah. I mean, you can try to be quiet because I'm with you, Jeff. I'll I'll actually turn away from the action so my voice will go the other direction. But Trey, Trey's full on, man. He does. <laughs> I know he does. He literally, I'm sitting here. I'm like, Jay needs this for his 15 <laughs> in a row. <laughs> this will be this will be ten in a row. And yeah, Trey's like Trey's like, God damn, he's hit ten straight. Like, okay. I, oh my like, word! Now he's up to fifteen straight. <laughs> That is professional cornhole. He needs one more for the record. That is awesome. 100% accurate. Yeah. Good stuff. No, yeah, that's been an adjustment for everybody. But, well, hey, uh, all right. We, we, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this because, uh, as we talked about, we, we might have to have a two-parter with you as well because you have such an incredible and, and such a powerful story, Jay. And, and I thank you in advance here for coming on and and sharing uh, your personal story with us. And, and you and I have talked this week uh, off camera. Uh, you, you are the reason why we're starting this show. You know, I mean, over the last two years, we, we've been able to hear great stories on the side about about many players. And, and you're one of those. And, and I feel like there's been so many times when I really haven't had a chance to do your story or, or other players' stories justice because of, you know, commercials or, you know, time constraints with, you know, the, the broadcast being short or, you know, great action that we really just need to, to focus on. So I'm not sure we really have had a chance to develop too many of these storylines, but now we got plenty of time. we got the podcast. we got a full hour. So, you know, if, if you can tell us your story, Jay, and, and I know, I know, you know, what small part I know, and we told, we told a little bit of it before you came on, uh, you know, if you can take us back to June 1st of 1998. So, so, and kind of, and kind of, if you can maybe even kind of set the scene because 
you know, I, I think you told me that you had been grounded that weekend, that you were yeah. supposed to be in that car going away that weekend to the amusement park or wherever they were going. But if you can just kind of kind of tell us the story and what led up to everything on that day. Yeah, so the prior week I had just finished uh, my second year of high school. Um, and every year uh, my grandmother would take me and my brother and my cousins uh, shopping, school clothes shopping, new shoes, summer, everything. Um, so we would go spend a weekend with them up in uh, Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, which they built a beautiful home on like four or five acres of land. Um, they had a giant pole barn. We'd go play basketball and just, you know, be kids, be teenagers, right? So for whatever reason, I got in trouble and my mom's on the phone with my grandmother. Um, she's like, well, come pick Jason up after work. And she's like, no, he's grounded. I did what I did. She wouldn't let me go. Let it go by. So June 1st, uh, 1998 was a Monday and I'll never forget it. Cause I was outside playing basketball with my neighbor across the street, uh, in my backyard. So we're playing basketball and a little bit of time goes by. And then all of a sudden my mother is going ballistic in the house and she's screaming. I could tell she's really distraught and upset about something. And eventually she runs to the back door and she starts screaming. She's dead. She's dead. She got killed, and I'm like, wait, wait, what, what's going on here? Like, help me understand. And she ended up saying, Grandma's dead. And I was like, whoa. So I took a second. I, 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 I froze up in time, to be honest with you, because I didn't know how to react. You know, I'm only 15 years old at the time. I haven't had to deal with any sort of death that close to home. Yeah. So being upset, I mean, I just I went up to the garage door, and I just punched it. Um, and I calmed down, I went inside, uh, went and talked to my mother and found out she, uh, my grandmother and my great grandmother were both killed in an auto accident. Uh, it was a head on collision with a truck, uh, about two to three miles away from their home. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening was, is it was a two lane road and there was a semi truck coming and the opposite direction where she was making her way back home. Well, somebody crossed the center line and it was a head-on collision. Uh, the only survivor was my cousin who was sitting in the front seat and was about three years old. So all the impact actually kind of went over him. Mm -hmm. um, even though he sustained injuries, he was airlifted to a hospital, um, has since fully recovered, living a normal life. Um, but they did perish in that accident. Um, so that led to a bit of a downfall with my entire family over the next, you know, few years. Um, you know, fast forward to Christmas that same year, um, my mom asked my father Christmas morning, or the guy that raised me for a divorce Christmas morning. And that's how we spent our Christmas, you know, at 15 and my brother was 14 at the time, was my mom asking for a divorce. So fast forward a month later, you know, January of 1999, my grandfather, my grandmother's husband, he died on the side of a road um, from a heart attack. Uh, he stopped taking his heart medication. Uh, he was very upset after losing his wife. Um, and he ended up passing away as a result of that. So fast forward two months later, I turned 16 in March of that year. And on my 16th birthday, I actually dropped out of high school. Um, wow. I wasn't, I wasn't a studious kid. You know, I was very athletic and stuff like that, but I was just, I was going through a lot of things at the time and school obviously wasn't a focus. I was ditching school all the time, calling in for myself. 
And it was just not somewhere I wanted to be. So I worked a little bit of a part-time job um, just to bring some cash in my pocket. But, you know, over the course of the next, you know, year and a half, two years, you know, the house went to foreclosure, cars got repossessed. There were times where, you know, the electric bill wasn't paid on time, so there may not have been lights. You know, there were times where we had family members coming to help out to put food in the fridge because there were times there wasn't much food at all. Um, so we dealt with, you know, a lot of those things, you know, at a very, you know, important age in our lives as we're, as I'm growing and my brother was growing into adulthood. Right. Um, so as we're doing that, um, you know, I made a decision seeing what was going on in front of me that like, this isn't the life I wanted to live. Um, so I chose to get out of that situation and, and move in with some relatives. Um, and I did that and it, everything, you know, went good for a period of time, but you know, we were, me being a stubborn teenager and hard-headed and you know, a hard ass at the time, you know, I wasn't always seeing things clearly and we butted heads as a result of that. And, you know, I got kicked out of, you know, their house. I ended up living between 15 and 20. I had 10 different places where I put my head at night. So I was constantly bouncing around from place to place. Um, so fast forward a little bit more, you know, going, let's say 19 into 20, um, you know, there was a point in time in my life where I had some money stolen from me in a relative's home. I don't know who took it from me, but it was the only money I had in my name. So I had like a massive sports card collection, autograph collection, things of that nature um, that I had to sell because I chose to leave their house um, and not stay there anymore because somebody had taken everything from me. So I had to wait till the next day for the card shop to open and I actually slept in my car for a night because I had nowhere else to go and I didn't have any money. So I go through a relationship where uh, me and this girl were together for about three, four years. Um, her family took me in, uh, very great to me. I'm forever grateful for them. Um, and, you know, it didn't work out for, you know, a couple months so we kind of parted ways. And, you know, I was looking around and I really, I didn't have anybody in my corner and all the support you know, I, I thought I would have with friends and family. Like it wasn't always there when I needed it. And I was expecting a little bit more help based on some of the things that I was going through um, to kind of, you know, get me going and, you know, push me along. Yeah. And it, and it didn't happen um, all the time. Um, so it actually it pushed me to the point of suicide. Um, so when I was 20, I'll never forget. It. I was sitting in the house. I was listening to Tupac and I was like, you know what? I've had enough. And I went to the medicine cabinet and I took probably 150 to 200 pills of miscellaneous things. And I took them all in one setting. I go to the park, I go to play basketball and I'm just expecting to collapse on the court and die doing something I love. Right. And I'll never forget being so lightheaded, out there playing, running around, doing everything else. And after a few hours of doing it, like, I felt normal, like nothing changed. And I was like, wow, like, this isn't, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. Like, there's a bigger meaning to your life that you're just not seeing right now. So I had to kind of put all that past me and, you know, get stronger, get a bigger backbone you know, work harder, you know, things that have now incorporated in my life to make me a successful person and a successful cornhole player. And I try to use all those different attributes and hardships that I've gone through 
to make me successful. And part of the reason why I wanted to share, you know, this little bit of a window of the things that I've gone through is because it's okay to talk about it. A lot of people do hold things back. Uh, they don't feel comfortable talking about certain things. And you don't have to necessarily share your entire life story, but to know that there's always other people that are out there that can help you and or inspire you. If it touches one person, man, it's going to do great things. Absolutely. You know, that's it. I'm really excited, you know, not excited. It's not the right word, but I'm happy that you are talking about it. Uh, Jeff and I have mentioned, you know, we've been through some things in ourselves in our own life. And one of the big issues I have with people when they try to talk to people that have gone through some trauma you know, is the cliche time heals all wounds. I don't think it really does. I don't think time heals anything, but it gives you perspective. The further away from a moment that you get, you have a greater perspective on what it really means to you as a human being. When you're young, when you're a teenager, when you're going through those moments that you were going through, you have no perspective. It's all over you, right? It's just all in your head. You can't get away from it. As you grow up, as you get time away, you kind of see things completely in a different light because you have a better perspective on things. And it's just, it's just trying to talk to people like, you know, just, just give it another day, give it another day, give it another day. You know, like eventually you're going to have enough days between you and those moments that you start to change your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. So, so much to unpack Jay. Um, All right. So the day when you were 20 years old, yeah. And, and you took, you know, the pills and whatever, whatever that it was. Yeah. So, so you were consciously saying to yourself, I'm done. And I know you're a great basketball player yeah. and you were expecting to end your life on the basketball court. Yeah. That's that. What, it wasn't initially drawn up that way, but I had gotten back when I had pagers. Right. And I was trying <laughs> to call back when I had a pager um, saying that a bunch of the guys were actually going to the basketball court. And I already had made the decision of what I was going to do. So it just to me, it, it kind of seemed like like fate, like in an, an odd way, right? Um, but yeah, it was just it was just one of them things. It was like, if I'm going to do it, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do it and die on the court doing something that I love doing. I've- so, so that, so that, sorry, Bertie. So then, at what point then, so was it that same day then after you went and played basketball and like you said, you were fine? I mean, was it that same day that, that you all of a sudden just had this epiphany that, hey, I, I I deserve to be here and I still want to be here? Yeah, so some family members found out what happened. Um, I ended up going to the hospital and getting evaluated and everything like that and had to stay overnight. And I had several relatives that came in and out of it and I made it. This, I was just like, why, why am I even here? Like, I shouldn't even be here. Is it that yeah. bad? Right. Or do I just need to ask for more help or do I just need to work harder? What, what can I do? What can I control to not ever get back to this low point? Yeah. And that's where I've made that decision. That's so interesting. You bring that up because it really is all about control, right? I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why you get so low is to feel that you have zero control. Yeah. And it's, it's hard for people, especially I'm that way. If I feel like I have zero control of the situation, I'm out. I check out because, you know, if I if I honestly have nothing to input to it, have zero control of how it's going to go forward. Why am I there? Yeah. And I think people get that way about their life. And it's really tough. And it, it's 
I am glad you're talking about it because it is, it's, there's, there's lots of people going through things. I'll tell you from my background, there's lots of people that I grew up around that you're might be going through awful, awful experiences, but you're never going to hear about it. Right. And they're going to suffer in silence. And I don't think that's the best way to go about it. You know, you got to be able to get that stuff out or it's going to eat you alive. It will. And that's, and that's to the point where it was getting me. It was just like one, I felt like for probably even extending past the age of 20, you know, probably going to 24, 25, I felt like for a solid eight to 10 years, like there was this black cloud that just stood over my head and it was just going to rain shit every single day. And it was like, <laughs> what's next? What's next? What it yep. was one after another. And it just, it became too much at that age where, you know, I wasn't established. I, you know, I was working $10 an hour job as a laborer, but my rent was a thousand dollars a month. Like I had no business even being in that position. Like I wasn't making enough in, in my job to pay for the rent. <laughs> right. but, you know, it, just, it felt like everything was snowballing. Um, and it was just, it was kind of out of control. Well, and Bernie, you brought up a good point too. And, and this, and this is another you know, reason why we're doing this show. And, and, um, I, I, I'm not the most religious guy in the world. I'll be the first one to admit that. Um, I feel like I do have some spirituality and, and I do like to go to church from time to time. And one of the, one of the biggest messages that I've ever gotten out of, out of the, the times that I've gone is that. And Jay, this this is part of I think what happened to you is that we feel alone. Oh, you know, I mean, there are times out there you're you're up at night, you can't sleep, and even though you might be in bed with somebody and you got your parents and and your brothers and sisters, you can feel really alone. And and I love that message that I hear from time to time is that we're not alone, but but that's easier said than done, right? When you're in that position. Yeah, much easier. I mean, nowadays you got more avenues and more outlets, right? Um, yeah, social media. You know, there's a lot of different avenues there. You could talk to people before it was, you know, some people may not have only just had a house phone, right? They may not have had, right. a they might not have had the same accessibility that we have nowadays. And yep. I feel people probably should take more advantage of that. Even if it's just picking up and talking to a random friend or stepping into a church and just talking to somebody inside, whatever outlet's going to make you feel comfortable. I think more people should do it. Yeah. And that's, not, that's another great message that I've heard. And if there's, if there's, you know, one thing that people can get out of, out of conversations like this is that any time that you're thinking of somebody, you should reach out to them, whether, whether it's a text message, whether it's a Facebook post, whether it's a call. And I, 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 I truly try to do that because I feel like if, if a friend of mine comes to my mind that I haven't spoken to in a while, there's a reason for that. And, and if anyone has that, just do it. Just reach out to people. Because like you were saying, Bernie, you never know what people are going through behind the scenes. So if you're if you're if you're thinking about one of your buddies, call him, text him. It, it's so true. And I am probably the worst with that because I tend to, you know, like, yes, I'll think about someone. And yes, you know, hey, I really need to talk to this person, whether it's a family member or a friend. But I get so wrapped up in my own head. I can get literally lost in here that I and it's not that I don't care about those people anymore. It's not that I don't love them anymore. It's just I'm lost. I'm in here. And sometimes the hardest thing for me to do is to kind of unravel myself and kind of take, you know, kind of get out of my own head, get out of my own way. And I, I think Jay's right. I mean, I think there are avenues now that are available that we didn't have when we were kids, you know, and, and for your friends, it's very difficult for them if they haven't gone through these things to be there for you because they're kids themselves. Right. I don't know if you ran across that, Jay, but I, I did going through some things, trying to talk, maybe kind of get some of that out with my friends. And they're looking at you like they're, you're an alien. 
because they have no way to kind of vibe with you on what you're going through. Yeah, and that, that was one of the more difficult things. I have a lifelong friend, um, Kathy, who was there for me through thick and thin. I mean, I've known her probably 25 plus years, and she knows me inside and out. She knows all all the stories and all the misfortunes that I've gone through. I mean, she's offered even for me to stay in her home. So, you know, I always had that one source, but some, like to your point, some of the other people that I thought I could confine in, you know, that were good friends of mine at the time, really didn't understand, you know, they may have came for money or they may have had two parents in the same home, you know, that were always there or a bunch of siblings. Like, I don't know who my real father is. I, there was a guy that ended up raising me. You know, my brother is a convicted felon. So I don't have any relationship with him. I had to kick him out of my life altogether. So it was just like, you know, that immediate circle that most families would have, you know, I didn't have that. So I had to rely on a lot of, you know, close friendships over the years. Um, but not all of them understood, you know, what I was going through. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've been, I've been right. What, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been fortunate enough. One of those friends is Stacy Moore you know, Jeff, we had talked about that, you know, we grew up together and he was actually one of those friends that was always kind of there for me. And, and likewise, but I had other friends that just, you know, everything in their life, I shouldn't say it that way. You never know what's going on behind closed doors, but from appearances, nuclear families, money, security, everything seemed to be okay in their world. So when you talk to them about your own personal issues, they just don't have a frame of reference to come from other than say, Hey man, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Right. Like there's just not much they can give you other than that. And it's not their fault. And you just kind of have to. That's another thing. That's another learning curve that I think you have to grow up so fast when you go through those kinds of things as a kid. And that's that's exactly what it did. I had to grow up, you know, at a very early age, you know, at 20 years old where most kids are in college. You know, maybe they're still staying at home or they're staying home. I had to grow up. I had to go and I had to work and I had to I basically fend for myself um, at an earlier age. And I had to struggle. I mean, there were times where I'll never forget. I was uh, about three miles from the exit um, to get off to go to my apartment. And I had no money. I had no money. I didn't have nothing to eat. I was starving. I was lunch. You know, like I said, I was working in construction as a laborer. And I'm sitting at the light, getting ready to turn right to go down the road to my apartment. And I'm just sitting there smoking a cigarette. I'm like, man, I would do anything to like find five bucks right now so I can go to Wendy's and get like a cheeseburger or something. And sure as shit, I look out the window and there's a $5 bill sitting there. <laughs> wow. Wow. I was that's like, if crazy. that's not a sign, like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I picked that five bucks up and I went straight to Wendy's. I mean, th think about it in, in terms of the rest <laughs> of your life. Have you been more excited than that $5? I mean, I'm sure you have. But I mean, at, at that time, that had to have been like, one of the great moments ever, right? Yeah, I mean, it was just one of them weird things. Like, I thought it was, a, like, like I said, I thought it was a sign. It was just like, you know, some people, you may believe in a higher power, you may not. But then all of a sudden, just to look over and it's just laying there. Like, <laughs> it's not like it was, you know, five hours later, five days. Like, it was that moment. And it was just like, wow. Like, what are the odds of that happening? That's crazy. So, so Jay, are you, are you, are you a religious guy? I mean, after everything that you've been through? Uh, you know, I, I think I am a little bit, I don't go to church. Um, I'm not that into it, but you know, I believe in the higher power. I believe in irony. Um, you know, fast forward or backwards back to my grandmother's, uh, passing, you know, the odd thing about it was, is, 
we used to live when I was a child, uh, basically one to five, six. We lived on the same street in the city, about four or five miles away from Wrigley Field. Um, we lived at one end of the block. She was on the other end of the block. And she would always buy me trucks. Well, what ended up killing her? A truck. truck. Right? Yeah. The driver <laughs> was Jason. What's my name? Who was Whose car was I supposed to be in? The driver was 21 years old. What's my favorite number? What's part of the Air Rubin brand? What's my birth? 21. So all those little things, like, I don't know, it makes you believe. It makes you believe and it really makes you think. Wow. So, uh, and, and feel free to share as much or as little as you want. Yeah. How much of, and now, I mean, June 1st, 1998, obviously now was a long time ago. Yeah. How did you, as a 15 year old, were you able to um, kind of comprehend the enormity of, wow, I, I was supposed to be in that car? No, it, it honestly, it, it probably took me a couple of years. Like there was, there was a lot of shock for a couple of years because they had to go to court. They fought it through court. We were still going up to the house every weekend, you know, sorting through things, making sure my grandfather was okay, you know, trying to keep the family, you know, somewhat sane. Um, my grandmother's body was actually moved from Twin Lakes. They moved her to Chicago. So, I mean, there was a lot of back and forth. So we didn't really, you could reflect on it on the drives and just think about it, but it, it took several years for it to be like, wow, like I'm pretty lucky to be here in multiple different ways now. Yeah. You, you wonder though, you know, you wonder if subconsciously it was there and subconsciously if somehow it was kind of affecting your day to day without you even realizing it, you know, yeah, perhaps very, yeah. I mean, cause that's, sure. you don't, you, you're 15. You just simply don't have the emotional capability to handle certain things like that yet. You know, and I, and I think your brain just is like, all right, we're going to put you over here in this little compartment until you're ready to handle it. The problem is by the time you're ready to handle it, it's like festered in there and caused all kinds of problems sometimes for people. And, you know, kids are lucky to be able to get through those things. I mean, it's kind of a it's 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 a really good thing that kids don't have long memories. You know, you, you talk about it in sports. If you've ever coached kids, if you've ever been around young kids, they're. When they make mistakes, they don't dwell on the mistakes for very long because they're kids. They move on. And so when trauma does happen, you know, when you're younger, sometimes I, it wasn't that way for me. You, know, you can talk to the, my my family and friends and they'll tell you I probably dwelled on that way too long. <laughs> but, you know, kids do have short memories and sometimes it helps to kind of may, be able to move on a little quicker and le at least, you know, get your brain onto something quicker. And in your case, you had to think about other things because it was so much tougher. Yeah. So, Jade, do you still think about that much? Like, uh, like how? What percentage of your brain does that space, you know, occupy I, nowadays? I, I think about um, her, you know, and my great grandmother, you know, from time to time. Um, you know, oddly enough, like every her birthday is May 18th. Oddly enough, my first ever national win came on May 19th. Uh, <laughs> my first pro season. And then the following season, me and Lester won in um, Galveston, Texas, May 16th. And I won two national events basically within a couple days or hours, you know, of that. So every time May comes around and we always seem to be at a national round there, I think about it a lot more then. And I think a lot of, more about it, um, you know, around June 1st. 
All right. So unfortunately we only have a few minutes left, but, but I, I, <laughs> I want to wrap this. Yeah. I want to, and I knew this is going to happen, but I want to wrap this up on a, on a positive note. So all this being said, and you just telling us just, you know, a small glimpse of, of your story and your journey. Um, what, what, what has been the, really the key and the credit to your success to being able to put that aside and to become a great player and to become a great athlete and a great dad and, and hold a job and be successful. What, what allowed you to persevere and move on and become the person you are now? Basically what it comes down to is all those hardships just made me that much stronger as a person, right? There wasn't anything that anybody was going to do or say that was going to stop me or prevent me from accomplishing what I want to accomplish. You know, I didn't think I would make it to see the age of 18. You know, I didn't think I would ever own a house. You know, now I just bought a beautiful house, you know, that's got a ton of space and everything else. I never thought I'd be playing cornhole on ESPN. <laughs> right? So I've used all those hardships and, you know, kind of talked about it before. I flip that switch and it makes me a different person when I flip my brain a certain way and look back and reflect like, hey, you're just out here. You're playing bad. You're having fun. So what? You had a bad game. Look what you're going through at 18, 19, and 20. Is it that bad? No, it's perspective. And that's what I try to look back on. Yeah, and Bernie, that's exactly what you were talking about, right? It's it's, it's amazing. It's, a, it's amazing once you can kind of change the narrative in your head how much life kind of works out for you. You know, it really is. Yeah. Well, Jay, hey – uh, I cannot thank you enough again for coming on and sharing your story. And again, we, we knew time was going to run out on us quick, but, uh, but again, you know, your story is, is, is one of the many reasons why we're doing this show. And I know you said to me today that, that you kind of wanted to, to set the bar, you know, yeah. for other players to be able to come on and, and let's talk about this stuff. We're, we're yeah. all kind of in this together, right? I mean, it's become a great community. I, I'm new to it. I mean, hard to believe it's been almost two years already, but still relatively new compared to, to everyone else. But I love the sense of community that we all have coming together. And I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun uh, to do this and come together, maybe even on a stronger level for a lot of us. You know, I mean, Adam Hisner. You know, he's, he's some, he's someone that I know that a lot of people like to hate. Adam's got a great story. I mean, it's, it's powerful. He's been through some shit that a lot of people I don't think understand. And uh, we'll have him on sometime. Eric Anderson. I've talked about him a couple of times, but this, I think it'd be a great way for us to, to become even, you know, more of a community. It's going to be great. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's going to do big things for a lot of people. And I think it's going to allow some players to kind of step out of that, you know, comfort zone, uh, and actually talk about these sort of things, you know, I'm setting a bar going out there. You know, I'm sharing a lot of things that a lot of people didn't know about me, but now it's out there for the public forever. Right. And, you know, if I'm comfortable talking about, it, I think other people, you know, should be comfortable talking about with their past because, you know, what their past has been, it doesn't define who they are now. And, you know, they can have a different path to success, you know, just going further down the road. Wow. Thank you again for sharing your story and, uh, love you it, brother. It, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. It's good talking to you guys. All right, All right Jay. Wow. Well, again, uh, he told me that we probably only knew a small part of the story yeah. and, uh, boy, if he wasn't right, you know, it's funny. We, we talked about this when we were, when we were coming across this and I think, you know, what everyone's idea for what we were going to do is it was going to be fun and funny. We might end up being essentially 
you know, a way for people to talk through some things. Maybe. You know, we, we, we might have the deepest show on the ACL digital network. That, I mean, I, I'm being serious. I mean, like, because we get it. You know, you can't talk about these things with everybody, but maybe you yeah. can. Maybe this is a way that you can. Maybe this is a way that people can kind of come on here and kind of unload some things. I'll yeah. listen. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll help them talk through it. I'm, I'm all about it. So these these kinds of stories are, like you said, one of the reasons why we're doing this. And I'm I'm actually happy for that. And some of these uh, some of these shows, like you said, some of these shows are be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Last week with with David Lim was was probably more fun. But some of these shows could get kind of deep. Yeah. like they did today and yeah. uh, so much I, I love what jay said though and it's so true we got we got 60 seconds left but you know when you have something like this and i tell my kids this you can't let these big negative things that come your way do not let it define you and i love that he said that i mean what a great way to end that interview and it, it, it's so true but it's so difficult at the time yeah. right and it's just yep, you're right it, it's just finding a way to get through that next day that next day that next day that next day and then all of a sudden you can kind of look up and be like man all right made it through that yeah. you know now let's now let's make it through the next thing you know well, if that, and what gets you what gets you through those next days are friends and you mentioned it with stacy and yep. and uh, i've got friends who i can rely on and everyone needs that so that's that's what gets you through the next day so speaking of which appreciate your friendship man yeah unfortunately, man our, unfortunately our time is is done for this week this, this is this is what we do we, we plow through these minutes we do and it's only getting started <laughs> pineapples i remember you have the safe word that's right <laughs> that's all right awesome. brother i will talk to you next week thanks everybody for watching